0: The more that you read the more things you will know the more that you learn the more places you'll go dr seuss there are thousands upon thousands of amazing helpful books out there my goal is to read them and share how we can implement the wisdom to improve our lives the lives of the animals and even help save the world welcome to Notable, taking wisdom from self-improvement conservation and animal related books and using them to help us become the best versions of ourselves. Whether you are an animal care professional or just a lover of nature and life, Zoo Notables helps you grow and level up your life. Hi everyone, thank you for joining me for a very special Zoo Notable. Today I got to geek out with animal training expert and zoo consultant, Dr. Gray Stafford, host of Zoo Logic Podcast and author of Zoomility, Keeper Tales of Training with Positive Reinforcement. So I usually keep my Zoo Notables to about 20, 25 minutes with sometimes the author interviews being a little bit longer. But guys, my chat with Gray went well over an hour as we discussed the vicious cycle of punishment, the true positive benefits of positive reinforcement, and just a ton of other topics. So I'm going to split my Zoo Notable into two episodes, but I'm not going to make you wait a whole week to hear the conclusion. Part two will be up within 24 hours of part one, so you can nerd out with me, Dr. Gray, and learn all about ZooMility well we're we are actually here today to discuss we, we're, we're starting off with some sad sad <laughs> sadness but uh we're actually here to discuss some positive things and we're here just with gray stafford doctor pardon me dr gray stafford with his book zoomility and gray is just again an extraordinary person um started his career working with, with marine mammals. Did you start your career in with marine mammals or did you work your way in?
1: I did. I, I was very fortunate. I started at Chamu Stadium in Ohio,
0: which nice. at that time
1: had dolphins and killer whales. So yeah, I I couldn't have asked for a better start to my career. A very, very lucky start.
0: But then you've also moved on to all sorts of of critters and you now have again author as a as a title, podcast host. And again, a, a consultant of all for all occasions, to not just with positive reinforcement, not just with training, but as a, as a zoo consultant as well. So very thrilled to have you here with us today, to Thank talk you. all about what Zoomility is and how we can let it let it change our lives, change our animals' lives, and you know, with the zoo fit way, change the world. So welcome, welcome. Um, Thank
1: you. It's it's great to talk with you again, again PJ. Thank you.
0: Yes. So Gray, I do have a connection. We both have worked for, uh, for, well, we used to jokingly call it the whale because we in Florida. It was like either the whale or the mouse. That's who you worked with. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, and right. so uh, we both have worked with uh, at, at SeaWorld. And then when I launched my, this is your notable, I, re- I realized I absolutely had to get you on to discuss your book just a little bit about again the without we don't go into spoilers here but to to go with your book zoom humility is a, is a philosophy of training it's about leaving your ego at the door it's all about giving our best life to the animals using positive reinforcement and and this book was it's it's not the newest book but again if you are listening and you will get so much out of it. This is timeless, timeless wisdom that Gray is sharing. It was published in 2007, but again, as I said, it's timeless wisdom, and something going through this again, just some mind-blowing gems that, that really, Thank really you. resonated with me.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's very kind, PJ. Very, very kind introduction, and um, Yeah, Zoomility has been around for a while, like I have, I guess, Um, (laughs) but it it really was uh, something I just felt I had to put down on paper. It was a struggle. Uh, I've written throughout my career, obviously writing a dissertation. Uh, Writing for me is um, kind of a love-hate sort of situation because uh, I might spend a day on a few sentences when I was writing my dissertation, if I wrote a paragraph uh, a day and it was a good paragraph I could keep, you know, that was a good day. Uh, so I struggle with writing, although I've been writing my whole zoo career, press releases, books, articles, and so forth. Uh, I, I try to put a lot into it and, uh, but it's, it's not always easy for me to write. So it it, it was a, about a three-year process to, to put Zumility together.
0: Well, it's a great, it's a great book. And my, my only critique I would have is because I want more. I want more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're very, very kind. And I, I appreciate the fact that the term humility seems to have resonated with you because you're absolutely right. I think that the secret to great training, whether you work with pets or farm animals or exotics like you and I've had the privilege to do, or all of the above, you really do have to put your ego aside there there have been plenty of examples i'm sure you've met people in your career that think the animals are here for us and and it's quite the opposite we're there for them and our, it's our job to make them successful and set them up for success mm-hmm. and and the best way to do that that i know how is to leave your ego at the door as you say and uh do what's necessary to enrich their lives with a purpose you know this i think one miss Misconception people might have, particularly if they come from more of a traditional training background, one misconception might be that oh i 'm a pushover, I accept any criteria at all and and as you know, working at SeaWorld, nothing could be further from the truth. We had incredible criteria from our animals, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was giving blood or or urinating on cue or all sorts of wonderful behaviors that they they knew how to do. There was really demanding criteria placed on on those behaviors, but When we achieve that criteria with the animals, of course, then we, the sky's the limit as far as using that positive reinforcement that you mentioned. And by using positive reinforcement and using those approximations, those little baby steps to to introduce things like a a needle or a stretcher or other Mm -hmm. things that can be uncomfortable, at least initially, you can desensitize the animals to those, those otherwise unpleasant experiences, which are necessary to take care of them, right? We have all had to take a pet to the veterinarian. Uh, We've all had to have their nails clipped at some point in time. And those are important behaviors. And and if not handled properly, they can be very, very aversive to the animal. And so by providing that trusting uh, relationship uh, through positive reinforcement, we can alleviate a lot of that tension, a lot of that stress, a lot of the, the unwanted baggage that can come when you train with more aversive tools.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I'm going to quote a little bit from your book in that is, you may be thinking that reinforcement, this reinforcement stuff seems awfully complex and labor intensive just to have a household companion or a zoo animal. And truthfully, if you're the type of person who focuses only on mistakes and takes all your animal's success for granted, it may take some practice to adjust your habits. That's perfect. Seeing that in action as well is even speaking with some of my, my colleagues, moving from a, a negative reinforcement or even a punishment-based training to positive reinforcement, it actually took the animals a little and the keepers some time to adjust. But once they got adjusted, both animals and keepers were wowed by by the process. They, they couldn't believe how much how much of the animals didn't just do the behaviors, but excelled and, and uh, exceeded those expectations. And so it's, uh, again, it does take practice and that's what this book is really all about, is helping you, you get, uh, get used to this process, helping you along the way to create the process, to make the, make the, the adjustment to a positive reinforcement training methodology a lot easier for you and, and again, as you've been saying, set your animals up for success.
1: Well, I, 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 certainly believe that and, and based my whole career on that because, uh, I've seen it work time and time again, but you know, many facilities, many keepers, many aquarists, many marine mammal trainers, uh, pet owners have made that transition from a more traditional punishment-based mm-hmm. approach to training behavior to more of a positive reinforcement approach. And, and it, is a, it does require some practice. It does require changing your focus from failure to successes. And what I find with a lot of pet owners in particular is we, we tend to take the successes for granted. We, we have a sleeping dog that's quiet when the phone rings or when the doorbell rings, and we ignore them for ignoring the doorbell. But the moment they happen to be half awake and they react to the doorbell, well, gosh, We come down on them hard right and we 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 react to the incorrect behavior or the unwanted behavior and so training with positive reinforcement really is about training ourselves to look for those successes before the failure occurs and that takes practice because Mm -hmm. our society whether we're talking about the work environment the school environment the home environment we have a tendency to to pick at faults we to identify our faults and our mistakes and training with positive reinforcement is about acknowledging the successes and ignoring the mistakes. And that is a big pill for people to swallow if they're not used to it.
0: It is. And I'm, I'm glad that you even brought it up in our home, in our work, um, in our schools. We, we do. We have a very, uh, I, get, I call it a punishing mentality. And this is why I actually even created ZooFit in the first place was to show people that Fitness isn't a chore. Isn't not punishment for our bodies. Actually, we can have a lot of fun with it. it. Does take practice though. And the interesting thing I've been working with zookeepers in the field and showing them how you can use these principles um, that you that you do with the anim- that you work with the animals on your own lives, but also how can you treat another living being, whether that's a human or an animal with the utmost respect, unless you're practicing these principles every single day with mm-hmm. yourself. So again, the whole motto, great animal care starts with great self care actually means on a very literal level, physically taking care of my body, but also mentally treating myself the way I would treat the animals. And then it becomes a, a cycle. You practice this principle and then you're able to do it a little bit better with the animals and with other people. So again, it's not just about the animals. This is a great book for training animals, but also looking at these, at these principles that you've set up, this actually is great for dealing with life. That's one of the things I really, really liked about this, things that resonated with me. That some of these ideas would just flash up, and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, this is how we can deal with this a little bit better in life, too."
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I'm—it's—it's it's very humbling that that um, people see it that way. One of the things I I tried to accomplish with writing humility was to say, "Hey, it's okay." to make mistakes. It's okay for our animals to make mistakes. It's okay for us to make mistakes. The, the key is to learn from them and to, to simplify the environment when the mistakes keep repeating itself and you know the same mistake over and over again. Well, that's a message that says, we've got to simplify things. The animals aren't getting it or we're being ineffective in communicating our goals for the session. And once you take that pressure away to be perfect, to be right, to inflate our egos. Once you take that away, boy, training really is fun. And, and if you aren't having fun, training animals, caring for animals, and caring for yourself, like you say, in a, in a fitness for, format, then we're doing it wrong somehow. Um, training animals has is, is been one of the great joys of my, my adult life because I literally got paid to have fun with animals with a purpose if you're miserable training the animal, imagine what the animal is, is going through.
0: <laughs> they can't understand what we're, what we're wanting. And, and
1: yeah.
0: you go into this too, again, some of the issues with punishment, it, it, it causes, the, it leads to desensitization, it leads to having to escalate the, the, the punisher. Um, but most of it, essentially, this is my big point too. It just doesn't teach the animal what we want them to do. Can you imagine if you were trying to learn a new language and instead of teaching you how to say the word, they just kept saying, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. You're not learning the language. You're just learning what not to say. This is the same way with with animals. If we're teaching a dog to sit by teaching it to not stand, not run, not jump, not lay down, it's going to take a lot longer to teach that animal to actually sit. So again, I really appreciate appreciate the, the lesson there. And also, again, very simple, really great examples. And I, I also again want to emphasize that the stories in this book are, again, the, my only critique is that I want more. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're really great examples of how some of these relationships can either uh, alleviate a a troubling situation, or again, w- resulted in a more positive, in a more positive outcome for for the situations. So again, Joe, I'm going to quotation marks. I know Joe yeah. the dolphin who just had had a rough start, and then using positive reinforcement, were able to turn a lot of those behaviors around because he learned that he was never going to get punished for any of his any of his behaviors. Mm-hmm. and that little those little actions those little kindnesses can be the the difference between having a beautiful relationship and having a wonderfully well-behaved animal and that works with you that again brings joy to your day and having a miserable you know coworker literally sure. <laughs> these are our coworkers and and sure. Before we continue with our Zoo Notable, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. I couldn't do these notables without them, so we'll be right back after these messages. ZooFit is a self funded program helping others achieve success through positive training methods, but we can't do it alone. I need you, yes, you listening to us right now to help spread the word and spread the joy of positive fitness for your body, your mind, and your soul. Joining Patreon is an easy and affordable way to connect with me on ZooFit, support my current and future projects, and let ZooFit shine as we change people's lives so we can change the world. Join other hummingbirds like Sarah and Liz, or join Rochelle for the ZooFit tribe to earn more wisdom and bonus materials, including sneak peeks at my new books. The link for Patreon is in the description down below. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to our Zoo Notable. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the specifics. So something different about your book than, than some of the other books that I've read on animal training is that you do go into some specific behaviors, such as a uh, Give an example of how we could potty train or elimination, um, how to, training for that bridge. What what is a bridge? Can you give an ex, give some um, feedback on or some insight of why you decided to help us even further along with these with these extra you behaviors? That, that,
1: that's a really great question, and I'm, I appreciate you asking it because I wanted to write a book that would apply to not only the situation where you have a pristine animal. What do I mean by that? An animal that hasn't learned a lot of unwanted behavior because of our handling methods or training methods right the 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 shelter animal that's been turned in after six months i i wanted to write a book that could help families with that clean slate the new puppy the new cat the new hamster the new sea lion whatever that hadn't really developed the kind of behavioral problems if you will like my buddy joe the dolphin that you alluded to a minute ago At the same time, I also know that we all live and work in the real world where we all have animals that have behaviors that we'd like to see eliminated or other behaviors that we'd like to see trained and strengthened. And so I wanted to create a a book that would address all those scenarios. And in between, starting with a blank slate and and wrapping up with some of the more hard luck cases like Joe, I inserted a bunch of examples of of behaviors that, that I think were Pretty typical of any species, you know, sitting, standing, responding to a bridge, that sort of thing. Just as a way of giving examples, um, I really tried to make the point in Zoomility that you can approximate behaviors any way you want. And really the only limitation in how you approximate, how you break up a complex behavior into smaller behaviors is really only limited by your own creativity and experience level and that of your animal. Uh, So, and why did I do that? Because I remember working with the, the dog training community in the 90s um, towards the tail end of my SeaWorld career and, and, and after. And at that time, and I think even till, to this day, there are a lot of professional speakers, trainers, consultants out there who will give you the the XYZ method of training or the, the ABC method of training. Oh, that's probably a bad example because we all kind of use that one. But uh, <laughs> in other words, they were branding a, a training method or a book or a philosophy based upon themselves, their own personality, their own marketing, their own brand. And what I wanted to do was I didn't want to also do that. I wanted to stick to the science, the behavioral sciences of the ABCs of training, uh, what is a reinforcer, what is a punisher, Etc. Mm-hmm. And so um, I didn't want to make it about me and my brand new method and, you know, snake oil that you should buy. I wanted it to be founded in science, good, verifiable, reproducible science. But I also wanted to provide examples for people because I think it's unfair of us to say, hey, you should just reinforce. Well, what the hell does that mean? If you don't know how to train or you don't know how to simplify behavior into smaller steps that animals can understand, how do you do that? And so, so yeah, I had a, a, a section in the middle of the book of just recipes of say, hey, you might want to train a sit, you might want to train a, a, a good heel behavior. Here's how you might approach that. Here's some ideas um, that might help you. Knowing full well that someone else might read that and come up with a completely different behavior recipe, but there are specific tools, specific science-based uh, realities that we all have to abide by. However, we choose to approximate a behavior, we have an antecedent, we have a behavior, and we have a consequence. And, and the goal of Zoomility was to get people to use the reinforcing consequences and get away from those punishing consequences that so many traditional trainers at that time were using.
0: Yes. And I love that your term uh, behavior recipes. And as a, as a- Fitness consultant and as a uh, nutritionist myself, I was just very, uh, very found I tickled at the at the, <laughs> at the yeah. calling them recipes because that's basically what they are. Because honestly, as you, it is, it really is a recipe. You don't have to follow the recipe exactly. You mm-hmm. can use it as a guidelines or use it as a guide to kind of know what type of ingredients you're going to want. You're going to want an antecedent. You're going to want a behavior, and you're going to want positive reinforcement consequence, but other than that, have some fun, have, you know, play around with it a little bit. Personally, my favorite recipe that you put in there was for jumps and not because training jumps, although to be just for the record, I did train my cats to do jumps because they, they get a little less exercise. I I keep them indoors. They're fat and happy, but they are, they are trained to do jumps. But what I found interesting was was kind of like what chaining the jumps actually does for you and the animal. And the reading from the book itself, we're talking about jumps here. Reinforce the bar at a lower height until the animal reliably clears the bar. In fact, for the next session, use a bar height that the animal is guaranteed to clear, even if that means placing it on the ground. The ultimate goal is not to train them to leap at a predictable height, but clear the bar no matter what height it is at. And I found this interesting. So you're going to start off. This is a, a, a quote from James Clear, Atomic Habits. So easy, they cannot fail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so start at the height, they're guaranteed to clear. And that means that that build up the confidence. And then that teaches them to actually start exceeding those expectations, not just barely getting by. And I also found this interesting because I actually have a specific story that, that is about jumping. I was uh, teaching a fitness class for, um, well, it wasn't for seniors, but it was for uh, those that needed modifications. And one of my participants had been watching the previous class do box jumps, which is jumping up onto a, a, a about one foot or three foot box. And she told me that she really wanted to do one of those. She's like, I always wanted to do a box jump. And I said, let's get, let's go. And she was terrified to start. And I said, so I grabbed what we call this bumper plate. So we had the plates that you put on the barbells and that uh, for the, for weightlifting. And I placed it flat on the ground and it was about two, three inches off the, you know, on the ground. I said, can you jump on that? And she looked at me like I was crazy. And she says, of course I can. I'm like, well, go for it. She jumps up there and I'm like, there you go. We're on our way to a box jump. Mm -hmm. Within one class, she was jumping 12 inches off of the ground by simply placing one bumper up on top of the other. And I, I pulled over a box that said, you can jump on these lower boxes now. And by the time we were, I was we were finished working together, she was jumping up on a three foot box. And again, that's because we started so easy that she could not fail. And so again, that idea really, really spoke to me. Again, it's not just about training animals, although this is very, very important for training animals. This also works really well with us.
1: Well, and it's, it, 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 it's several things to unpack there. One is, you're absolutely right. You don't want to fix criteria because, because behavior is constantly in a state of being forgotten and criteria is lost over time. And so you always want to push the envelope, even if it's a you know, the diameter of a hair higher each time. You always want to advance the behavior, whether it's faster, higher, stronger, slower, et cetera. Uh, so you always want to, you know, you're, they're like athletes, right? They're always excelling. They're always trying to push the limits of what they physically and mentally can do. And behavior training for animals is is no different. The other thing is, is that you, what it sounds like with your, your client there is what I hope to do with my animals, which is I'm not so much interested in teaching a behavior as I am trying to teach a concept. The behavior is not jump three feet. The behavior is leap for the sky (laughs) and land safely. And so that's a concept versus a a specific criteria of three feet or two inches or 12 inches or the three foot boxes that you you mentioned. And so to me, it's, you know, teaching animals to think is part of training animals uh, to do behaviors. I want animals that are confident, that can engage in certain behaviors that don't necessarily need me to succeed at those behaviors, but will look to me for direction, for instruction, for guidance at the appropriate times. So to me, it's about teaching concepts and how we put those behavior approximations, those baby steps together, again, that goes to the creativity and the experience level of individual trainers and pet owners. But the process, the order in which we provide a signal, the antecedent, the response, the behaviors. And most importantly, the reinforcement, the glue that holds it all together, that is universal. That's not Gray's rule of training. That's not Karen Pryor's rule of training. That's just the way organisms learn. And so I wanted to make sure in humility that I wasn't trying to project some sort of new method that Gray came up with. Rather, I just wanted to, to make sure I clearly stated the science and how I learned from greater trainers than myself one of, one of whom was Shamu, uh, how to apply these, these scientific principles in a constructive and efficient way. You know, you said something earlier about uh, when you train with punishment, you're, you're basically teaching animal no, but you're not teaching them yes, what was, what was it you expected them to do. And you're so right about that. And when you start talking with trainers in the home, you know, most pet owners, they just want a dog that doesn't eat the couch doesn't bite the children, doesn't bark incessantly, those sort of things, doesn't grab food off the table. But for professional trainers, whether they're in the domestic side or keepers and, and aquarists and re mammal folks, they are producing behavior because that's part of their product. That's part of taking care of those animals. So there's an expectation that you're going to be efficient, you're going to produce product, you're going to produce behavior. And so Training with positive reinforcement. If you if you need more motiv- motivation in, in adopting reward-based training, it's more efficient. It takes a little initial investment of time to teach the rules of the road for yourself and the animals, but long-term training with positive reinforcement, saying, "Hey, here's what I want you to do," versus "No, no, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that." Well, like you said, you know, <laughs> life is short. We don't have time to to just teach animals what we don't want them to do. Let's cut to the chase and teach them what it is we do want them to do.
0: Uh, I've been asked this uh, on a more than one occasion, you know, uh, can you get my dog to stop jumping? I'm like, well, (laughs) what do you want them to do? And that's my first question I asked, well, what would you like them to do instead? And they just say, stop jumping. I said, all right. So that's what we have for today. I just want to point out, some extraordinary gems that I got from this discussion so far. Number one, if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. It's kind of like Gray Stafford was reading my mind. I wholeheartedly agree with this philosophy. That's the point of ZooFit is to eat clean, live green, but most importantly, train positive. If we're not having fun, we're It's not worth doing again. We're probably doing something wrong, so we should try something different. Number two, we are teaching concepts with animal training. I love this. We are not teaching our animals to jump three feet. We're teaching them to leap for the sky. What an awesome way to look at our methods. Awesome way to go for our goals. Why jump three feet when you can leap for the sky? So thanks for joining us discussing zoomility we're going to be back tomorrow with part two to close out our discussion well that is all i've got for this amazing book let me know your thoughts what big idea resonated with you the most how can you incorporate that into your life starting today and share some of your personal favorite books that you love to see a zoo notable on Thank you again to my patrons, Rochelle, Sarah, and Liz. Keep working on becoming the best versions of yourself today, tomorrow, and forever. For you, your community, the animals, and the planet. Take care, and I'll see you all next time.